This is a podcast from Seven Vineyard. Good morning and welcome to the second in our mini-series on modern family um, with a question mark where we are looking at uh, the whole issue of um, our key relationships and uh, what it means to be family, what it means to be urban uh, family, um, what it means to be household. Um, we're not just uh, looking at this from the perspective of a nuclear family, of parents and children. Um, we're wanting this to be relevant to everybody, that we're looking at both principles um, and practicals. Uh, but this little series is particularly about the principles that inform what does it mean to be and um, what do we think that Jesus is saying to us about about challenging us about what it means to be in committed, meaningful uh, relationship? What does modern family mean? And that's really who do you do life with? Last week we looked at reimagining family and what did Jesus say about how he understood family when the disciples came to him and said, who are my mothers and brothers? And uh, him saying, um, my mothers and brothers are those who hear the word of the Lord and put it into practice. And using that as a foundational understanding of who do you hear the word of the Lord with and who do you put it into practice with? Um, that's, uh, can we really be open to that really being our um, family? But then on the other uh, on the on the reverse side of this, there's also the challenge of us wrestling with and understanding our birth family and uh, where does our birth family fit into this? And that seems to be something that um, the Bible takes really seriously uh, as well, acknowledging that it's both a place of security and can be a place of pressure. And how do we wrestle with that? So um, to tell you a little bit, for those of you who don't know me, um, uh, I'm Mal. I've been married for 28 years. Um, I come from a non-Christian and quite dysfunctional, uh, blended family in various ways. And um, uh, when I met my wife, Chriselle, it was amazing for me to see her from a, a family that was really functional and together generationally of um, being um, in a really good place uh, with each other. So we brought both of those things into our household, almost the need and the heart to redeem family. And also to, uh, what do we want to do differently uh, what do we want to adapt um, f uh, from what we've experienced? Uh, and also, what have we experienced that was good? Uh, what do we want to adopt and, uh, from our own journey? And uh, I think that's the challenge for all of us as we go forward, is what do we want to adapt and what do we want to adopt? Um, since then, we've had three birth children who've grown up, who are now 21 through 25. And we are also a fostering family. And uh, we have uh, uh, somebody else who's joined our family long term uh, to be forever family. And we've had various other uh, short term uh, children come and join us. 
So we're aware that some of the challenges of family are actually around parenting. And we want to offer uh, a separate uh, um, additional application of this, of, of these principles that we're looking at um, for parents, uh, but more details uh, of that to follow. Um, this is about uh, just the principles that inform what do we do to, in, our, in our key relationships where we look to be family and household together. So if last week was reimagining family, this week we're looking at uh, living as family um, and what it means around uh, especially I think the challenge as church that um, we were talking about entitling this behaving as family but actually we've had quite an issue with that word behaviour because so I think often the church should be rightly criticised that the first thing that I think people often think of about the church is that our message is one about behaviour. Um, God only loves you if, if you behave right, which, by the way, I don't believe at all. But I think that's often the message. You know, you'll only be loved if, if you behave right. Often the first message we understand uh, the, of the church is is Mark one fifteen of repent and believe that you know as we experience God we need to change and believe in Him. Now I think that I really believe that, but I believe that that experience first, that encounter that we've had is one first where we've experienced acceptance and love that leads to a change in our behaviour. But often I think we've, we've become almost understood as the church that good news, the good news is if you behave in a certain way, then God will love you. Um, that is a conditional love that I don't believe is the love of a household. I think a lot of us have heard the phrase before that the messages of the church have either been have been one of three B's, belong, believe and behave. Um, uh, we were involved in planting a church in, in London into an old workhouse where, um, area of Wandsworth and um, the workhouse stretched for a mile, uh, over a mile south um, from Wandsworth towards Tooting Beck. And um, as we learnt about that community, in the community we were in, the... Uh, the Sunday school there, um, there was a time where this, this church that now hardly had anybody in it used to have 600 children in their Sunday school. And it was, how, many, how do you have so many children in the Sunday school? And it was, well, um, in the workhouses, uh, alcoholism was rife. So the message of this church to these struggling families was, uh, if you sign a declaration of abstinence, then um, then your children can come and be part of the Sunday school. So they would sign this abstinence commitment and then their children could receive all of these different things. Then they could belong and then maybe they'd believe. Um, but that was, uh, there was over 600 children uh, in this Sunday school. 
but all these people hearing first that the message was behave before you um, belong and then you believe. I think we've often seen a um, people have understood the church to, in its in its evangelical traditions to be behave uh, uh, believe. If you believe, uh, then you can behave and belong. Whilst I'm an absolute believer, as we look at what is modern family, modern church, that um, that the good news of Jesus is something a bit different. It's whilst we're still far off the parable of the loving father, that whilst we're still far off, the father sees us, accepts us and runs to us. The first thing he communicates in his message of running embrace is that we belong um, before we behave or believe. So um, what we're wanting to look at today is a little bit just this idea of uh, what it means to live into family and to not be defined just by our behaviour. Um, to be, But how do we then process behaviour, including parents? Um, uh, how do we respond to, uh, to children who are being naughty? As you think about your household... Uh, that you're part of, whether that's a family household or a shared household, um, what's it? What's its culture? Because at one extreme is a very authoritarian uh, structure, and that is c defined by control, being told what to do. That the main message is our behave without any. Uh, it's command. It's without any feedback or discussion. Um, and at the other extreme is permissive culture, where it's almost like it doesn't matter what we do. It, uh, I see a number of uh, shared households, student households, where it's, oh, I, I, we can't uh, dictate what others do. And then they're affected what, by what others do and hate their house. Where would you place your household along that spectrum? Um, where would you place your own upbringing along that spe spectrum? Would it be authoritarian? Would it be permissive? Whereabouts along it would you place yourself? If you're watching this on video, you could stop this and uh, just turn to the person next to you and say, well, what do you think? What, what do you think of your current experience? What do you think is the experience you bring to the table? Um, because I'm wanting to believe that as with a lot of these things in life, um, there are things to be informed from in the two extremes but somewhere there is a middle that brings life I love the idea that the earth is exactly the right distance from the sun for there to be life um, any, any closer and it would be a whirling uh, heat and gas and uh, life wouldn't be possible. Any further away, it would be cold and uninhabitable. And, uh, and just the cold structure would mean there's no life. But we're just the right distance uh, that, that creates life. So I want to look at just a couple of examples of how do we live into creating a place of life in the middle between authoritarianism 
and permissiveness that has leads to no responsibility or ownership for one another. And what does that look like? I want to suggest to you that this middle point is most about connection, that uh, everybody needs a voice, everybody needs to be heard, but a child also uh, occasionally needs to be to, to be told what wasn't appropriate. But often correction doesn't help connection. The worst of these, I would see, you know, is uh, like when you're in the supermarket and you hear a mum say to a child, uh, I just can't talk to you right now. I just can't, I just can't be with you. You just need to be quiet. I'm almost too frustrated. I can't speak to you. Um, I think that's a really big problem because what it's not saying from that parent is my first goal towards you is connection. Greater love has no one than this that he lays down uh, his life for his friends. God's goal, I believe, in in humanity is connection. I love that Michelangelo painting of the father pointing down, holding the two hands and that electric spark that there is of connection, of humanity to God. That the goal, I believe, the overall goal of relationship is connection. And the overall goal, therefore, I believe, of God with us is connection. So when we're trying to d- address with one another um, behaviour, it has to be in the context of connection more than correction. If a child has just heard correction without connection, it can lead to all kinds of issues around attachment, including something psychologists call blocked trust where I, I've just heard I've just heard scold, I haven't heard love. So I don't trust you in it. So even the issue where we look to trust or we look to correct one another, it's gotta be in the con- context of 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 trust um, and a desire for connection. I'm aware in our situations, for me, going through my head a lot of the time as I'm trying to work something, where I'm frustrated and saying, that wasn't right. If um, my children can hear that as just um, correction. And if I don't then look to engage and say positive and affirming things that repair that connection, And all they've heard is that I was frustrated, even if that wasn't my heart. Have you ever heard the thing of a praise sandwich? That a praise sandwich being the idea is that the filling is praise, uh, is the filling is the thing of correction. Being able first to say, um, I really believe in you and what you're doing. I've got to go driving uh, with Sienna, who's learning to drive at the moment, and say to her, this is really, really good. Um, here's the feeling. There's this one thing that would be good to do so that we don't hit that car. Um, but um, you're really improving and it's really looking good. If she only heard, you're going to hit that car. She could hear that as a real cuss. If she's hearing around it, I believe in you and I want to connect with you. 
um, she's hearing cor- correction repair, that it's connection more than it is correction. So where are the situations where you're thinking, actually, I need to work on connection more than I do correction and even repair a few things? I love the proverb that says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. It's actually, I, I trust this challenge and this rebuke um, because I know that you care more about our connection than you do um, about correction. We most need uh, grace um, when we least deserve it. Um, we most need acceptance and forgiveness at the moments when, when we least uh, deserve it. But I think it's also really important for us to be uh, working through in our relationships of family and household that um, our choices do have impact and consequences. In our fostering work, uh, I've got to uh, study under a guy who does things called life story work with children. And uh, he said the most helpful thing he's found with the children that he works with um, is teaching them chess. Even you know, eight-year-olds who are informed by trauma is teaching them chess. And he's saying it's such a nice way to talk about each of our choices as you move a piece does have a consequence. He says the word consequence is often a negative one, so he doesn't like using it, but he likes using the the concept that that choice does have an impact on the board and what's happening. And for each of us to understand that our choices do have an impact, our choices that do have an impact on us, but also we're not just individuals. We are in households and in committed relationships and the choices that we make have an impact on all of those around us. So how do we help one another live into good choices and consequences and to think about the impact and the consequences of those? One little thing for parents that we found incredibly helpful uh, has been uh, one of the parenting resources that we've used has been some guys, uh, their, their parenting thing is called Love and Logic. And the most helpful thing we found about Love and Logic was uh, effectively we no longer being the authoritarian figure, but the one coming alongside to empathise with consequences. So saying, here are two choices. Uh, And they say that parents, you've got to be happy about both choices. So we actually, I was actually getting to speak on this uh, in Norway. And and we got a live example with the family that we were living with because um, the the child of the family in Norway didn't want to take uh, um, a coat to school. In fact, he wanted to, he was very, very specific about his clothes. And it was a battle every morning about what clothes he wore to school. And uh, as we were talking about it, it was, how do you become the non You've got to do this. It was, well, the love and logic principle is you have two choices. And those two choices, uh, they've got to be two choices that parents you're happy with. Um, 
you've got to be happy with both of them. So uh, it's, it's not a happy choice that it's snow outside and you're not taking a coat. So the two choices are you're taking a coat, you're either wearing it or carrying it and putting it in your, ruck, or putting it in your rucksack. Um, what's your choice? Then if he, uh, and then he can choose and make the choice that he owns. But if he's made a choice outside the agreed boundaries, then there is a consequence. If he chose to just wear a T-shirt in the snow, not just there can be a physical consequence, but actually there's an agreed consequence that a parent can then say, um, oh, I'm so sorry for you that you didn't take your coat because in not taking your coat, we agreed that's the consequence. And that was the choice you made. So I'm really sorry that you made that. Rather than you becoming the person who's just authority without connection. So take a moment. Where's God getting your attention this morning? Around um, your messages of behaviour. Uh, what are your messages to others in work and in your household? Uh, where are you? Where are you communicating that connection is the most important thing? And where is it actually just a message of correction has got in the way? Where do you think you are on that spectrum? And where, what steps do you need to take towards more life? in your household experience? Is it towards greater structure and communication? Is it towards, uh, from either side, is it, or is it towards greater in ownership and inclusion uh, as you work through what it means to be your household? Where do you need to consider some uh, correction repair where the message has been correction louder than connection? It's not been, I'm your friend, as much as the rebuke. And where can you help those around you um, work out appropriate choices where they can own choices that are ones that will lead to life? I love that Jesus said, at the, the start of John, John 1, 4, it says, in him is life and that life is the light of the world. Where do you see life in this that you should live into today?